Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello. Welcome to Monday Morning Deep Dish. Uh, my name is Shepard Price. I'm your host as usual. Joining me today is Betsy, aka LBR, and Janelle. Uh, Hi. Today we're talking about Hi. stats. We're talking yeah. about stats today uh, and what they are, what advanced analytics means, um, and why they're important. Uh, over on the other podcast, I'm called the Analytics Darling. So <laughs> it, felt, it felt a good time to help me sort of explain that with my two guests. So Janelle, as the sort of newcomer to advanced analytics <laughs> your questions today so go ahead yeah i have uh i'm really excited for this conversation uh because i believe um that i have personally a lot to learn about stats um and especially about why they're important um and so i'm really excited to hear from both of you uh to flesh this out a little bit more um even for my own benefit and for other people's benefit too to see how we can use stats um and to learn a bit more about them. So I've read a lot about how it's a battle between two sides with the the data nerds, such as yourself, (laughs) with uh, the old school hockey people, which is more like me, uh, just growing up watching hockey um, and and eyeballing it, you know? So Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of interested, you know, this has been quite a few years now in the making, but what is the motivation or maybe the driving interest in stats, what what do you think about that? I think we should start by so like me and LBR sort of explaining how we got into stats. So LBR, if you want to sort of explain that, because that that is a part of the driving interest. Yeah, sure. So um, my dad and so I was born and raised in Chicago, but we moved here when I was a kid to Atlanta. So there's not a whole lot of hockey here. There is a lot of baseball. It's never been something I've been interested in. But my dad, who got me into hockey, he loves baseball and he was a mathematician. So he was just really into applying that to sports in general. And of course, baseball, it was much more recognizable, especially became really popular after Moneyball in 2011. But my dad was an early adapter of that and that whole analytical side of looking at the game to enhance like your enjoyment. Because he always said it was like, if you could understand the reasons why somebody did something you could predict or at least um, try to figure out if they're going to do it again. And I always just found that way more interesting than just watching. It's kind of like a layer on top of watching to me. So yeah, it's pretty much my dad the whole time. And then of course the Blackhawks being the team that I cheer for, they were an early adapter of analytics. Um, I think Stan Bowman in 2009 was like one of the first to come out and say, hey, we hired a third-party firm to help us with analytics. And, you know, three cups later, everybody's doing it, especially the summer of analytics that boomed in 2014. Uh, So it's just been a really good thing for me, liking it when I was a kid, 
And then right when I was getting into hockey big time, analytics just were the thing. So that's pretty much my story was like it as a kid, happened to hit right at the moment when it became popular. So, yeah, uh, I sort of got into hockey late in life, um, sophomores, junior year in high school. Uh, and I think so. My take on this on, on it is this. If you got into hockey late and you never played, you're yeah. going to be more attracted to analytics, I think, um, than people who played or got into it from from childhood. Um, because you, you sort of grow up with one or the other. And like Dave, our manager at SEH, doesn't like analytics as much. And I think part of that is because he plays the game. So he sort of comes at it with that knowledge. Yeah, I, come, I coming at it from my perspective, not having played it, uh, love analytics. That is really interesting. Uh, I hadn't heard that perspective before about actually, you know, playing it. Um, and then of course, like getting, but you know, Betsy, you said you got into it at a young age too, but I guess that helps having a, mathematician in the family <laughs> yeah I think I totally agree with Shepard because I've talked with a lot of people who uh have never played I played a little bit when I was little but I stopped when we moved to the south there's just no hockey here yeah. uh, and I just never got into like the coach's mentality I think maybe is like an aspect that a lot of um hockey players who play have um I'm not saying people who don't play won't like analytics too or vice versa but yeah I think there is a, a distinct line sometimes between people who have played and people who maybe are approaching it from completely as a viewer yeah and or also you know for me I have an interest in the cultural aspect of it you know um, growing up in Canada um, you know we everybody had some pond hockey experience no matter what how seriously you, you played so the, a lot of it was about like the finesse and the beauty of the game, <laughs> you know, which I'm not saying that numbers can't be beautiful, but like that's something that um, is intimidating to me, you know? And so it was more of the idea that it was a, 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 a game that everybody could participate in and, and you know, um, had the ability to, to do that in their backyard, basically. Yeah. Um, but I wanna touch on something else that I, um, so Betsy, I think you said like for you, it, you feel like you get a, another level of enjoyment for the game. And um, you um, also saw kind of like a difference in the way teams played. So I wonder if either of you could speak a little more about how using stats and analytics are helping the teams maybe play in a different way or if they improve with them. Well, I start by saying that we know for a fact that you know teams use them. We know that they have their own systems um, that maybe fans don't have. So our data might not line up exactly with theirs, but we do know that they're heavily used in games, either from, you know, GMs picking players that they're going to draft or sign to, you know, on ice decisions that are being made. So we know it's a part of the game. We know that it's been around for a while now. Um, and how much they use them is the thing that we it's still a mystery to fans we don't know if like coach q we know for a fact that he got like stats reports in the 2013 um playoffs there was like this big thing about him and i think it was hitchcock that were like oh they got dueling stats reports what's happening we don't know how they use them we just know that it's always been it's been around for a while now and teams are trying to use them in a way to 
you know, become better at whatever and how they measure that. Again, we just, we're not really sure as fans exactly what they're doing or how they're using them. Right. Um, we just, we know they're leaning into them, especially with the recent yeah. GM hires of like Kyle Dubas and uh, John Chaka. It's very clear that those guys are analytics guys. Yep. Wow. That's fascinating. I didn't know that it was uh, kind of a hidden thing um, about <laughs> the fans not really knowing how much, you know, the teams are using or how they're using the stats. So I found that really interesting. It's very cool. There's been a lot of um, people who become kind of famous on like, Twitter and, and, and through analytics that have gotten hired by teams. Um, Eric Toulouse is a perfect example. He's one of the pioneers for fanalytics, if you want to call it that. And he's I think still working for the Carolina Hurricanes, um, but there's a bunch of them charting hockey. Um, Sean Tierney, I think he just got hired by um, a NHL team or an NHL affiliate, um, but he's been with the Atlantic for a while. So we do know that teams are using stats and they're using them as however, you know, their internal systems are using it, but they're also looking at what fans are doing and then they're hiring them. So we, we can kind of guesstimate from that what they're interested in because obviously those we have access to all of their information that those particular analytics people online were doing. But yeah, we just, what is important to a team? Is it really all about shots or do they care more about like micro stats and tracking smaller anushas inside the game, like these smaller events that happen? Yeah. Great. Um, so, all right. For somebody just starting out with stats, a fan, um, I'm, I'm curious about what you think would be a good starting point um, for them. Um, like, is there a stat in particular they should look at? Is there something that they should learn about? Um, what do you think is a good starting point? I think so. The way I've, I sort of started was looking at Corsi, shot share, and then expected goal share, because those are sort of like the three most important possession metrics. Okay. Um, and Corsi are just shot attempts, um, shots on goal, block shots, and missed shots. Um, shots on goal is shot share. And then expected goal share is the quality of the chances you're getting uh, versus the quality your opponent's getting. Um, and those sort of tell you how well a team is playing. Like the Blackhawks are not the best at that at five on five this year. They're just, and so their five on five plays not great um, versus a team like Vegas who is, again, the only sort of experience I have outside of the Blackhawks, um, who, is, who are very good at five on five and driving those metrics. Betsy, do you have anything to add to that? I agree. I, I mean, if you're looking at it from like trying to get into stats, those are the, easy, the most easily accessible. They're tracked by the um, NHL shots. Um, and then expected goals has become such a popular because we've always been searching for shot quantity and shot quality um, evaluators and expected goals came out and, you know, there's, there was a couple of models, but they pretty much weeded it down to one and it's a slightly better predictor of success over time. So, you know, just learning about those two things is something you can get into. And again, it's everything that a normal person could understand. You got to shoot a lot of shots to score a lot of goals. And of course, quality of shot, impacts how many goals you're going to have. So those are two concepts that are really easy for even people who don't really like stats to understand. So those are easily accessible stats to me. Right. And then I think there's also two more 
sort of context stats as well, uh, which is offensive zone start percentage, um, which sort of goes back to how hard a shift you're taking usually. Uh, the more defensive your 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 less your offensive zone start percentage, the sort of harder to shift you're taking. And then the other one is PDO, which explains a lot of things in terms of luck, um, which is uh, just it's save percentage plus uh, sh shooting percentage. Yeah, and that's something I had uh, more uh, wanted to talk to uh, both of you more about if you can elaborate a little bit more on the PDO because I yeah I've I've read about it being a luck. So to me, like a stat and a luck thing don't necessarily go hand in hand. So um, <laughs> can you elaborate maybe a bit on this? Yeah, so uh, it's defined as luck because it's sort of, it's, cha it's changeable um, from time to time. Your shooting percentage may spike and then you had a valley or your goaltending might have a bad year. Last year, for example, Vegas, one of the best possession teams in terms of expected goal share and shot share and Corsi had one of the worst PDOs in the league. Um, which led to George, uh, Gerard Gallant getting fired midseason, even though he was a great coach and they were doing all the right things. They were top of the league throughout the entire season in those possession metrics. They just had really bad shooting luck. And then Marc-Andre Fleury had a bad year. Um, and now he's having a great year, which sort of makes their PDO go up this year. Um, so it's, it's just, it's, short, it's, it's called luck because it sort of factors outside of your control. You can't control... Uh, let's say a goaltender makes an excellent save though on a shot that should have probably gone in that would have had a high expected goal rating. And um, that's a factor outside of that shooter's control. Okay. Fascinating. <laughs> um, so are in terms of the Hawks, are there some stats um, that you think are um, something an anomaly this season or something maybe that the fans should be uh, keeping an eye out for? I don't think there's anything. Well, I'll say I would have expected maybe their uh, shot numbers to be slightly better because I feel like they're transitioning a lot better this season. Um, so, you know, transitioning is obviously being able to carry the puck from one zone to another and microstats track those as zone exits and zone entry in and out of the defensive and offensive zone. And I think that the Hawks have been doing a better job this year than last year. Um, I'm not saying they're near the top of the league at it or anything like that, but I think they've improved. And I think when we get more microstats out, um, which are manually tracked by individuals and we don't have access to them right the second, um, that those will be much higher than they were last year. And yet the shots at five on five are not great. They're a little bit better than last year, but not great. Um, I think they're doing a better job with expected goals because I think they're getting in closer, but I would have expected them to have slightly higher uh, puck possession as it were. Um, this team is very good at forechecking too right now. Um, there's that whole tenacity thing going on. Uh, so again, I would think that there would be a little bit better puck possession. Um, they're not great at defending is the problem. Yes, they're they're still near the bottom uh, in the, of the league in terms of defensive, in the yeah. terms of metrics, which are like chances against and shots against, expected goals against. There's a, they're also having a really low shooting percentage at five on five, and that might go up throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I think they're better offensively than their score has shown five on five. Yes, yes. But they're still poor. People yeah. keep saying, like, I keep seeing it in the comments at um, Second City. They're like, oh, they're better defensively. And I'm like, are they? 
or are you reading into how good they are at forechecking and trying to turn the puck the other way, which is a form of defense, but in other defensive categories, they're still bleeding a lot, a lot of shots and quality against. So yeah, and people sort of underrated Slater Cuckoo and Oli Mata last season. Yeah. Great. Um, so here's a stat I want to know. Um, how many games have gone into overtime for the Hawks versus every single other person in the league? <laughs> and what's their I success mean, rate on that? <laughs> there, there's so that's a that's fun because a lot of teams are going to overtime a lot more this. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a factor of no preseason or just mm. closer games or, again, just playing the same opponents time and time again. You sort of figure them out. And, and oh, that, just, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's and interesting. The, and the division setting this year sort of plays into – there's a lot of talk about, like, the loser point and whether it means play uh, teams play for overtime late in close games. You know what? It's funny because I would assume that us being in a division and playing the same teams over and over again, that the loser point – would be like teams would not want to give loser points to other teams in the division so they'd want to like try their hardest to finish in regulation and yet we I think we've there's a slight increase from last year at this point again it's only like in 15 games so far but it's just a slight um raise over last year uh the Blackhawks have um gone to overtime with their shootout seven times which is tied for the most with okay. Um, and they have, sorry, with Boston. Okay. okay. The Bruins have gone seven times, and I think I wrote this down. Sorry, my computer was being not cool earlier. So the Blackhawks have gone to OT. They've won in the shootout. They've won three times, lost four. But in actual overtime, they've won three and lost two. So they've lost an additional couple in the shootout. The Bruins are pretty much the same. They've won three in overtime and lost two in overtime. Um, the next closest team has only gone to overtime five times. I think that's the Panthers. Okay. Um, it's weird, too, because the Blackhawks were, when three-on-three -three overtime originally happened, um, the Blackhawks were one of the best teams. Patrick Kane, Taves, and Keith were like, one of the best. The only threesome pairing that was better was Crosby, um, Latang, and Malkin. And that makes yeah. sense, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was really like for the first couple of years when Panarin was here too, the Blackhawks were really good. And then, you know, the dark years happened. And the Blackhawks have gone to since three on three overtime came more than any other team. I think they've, I think it was like 82 times. And the next closest was like 71. Um, the Red Wings, but they only have won like 52% of those. Um, but if you had just gone the first few years, it would have been much higher. It would have been in like the 60s. You do in the last couple of years, it's been in the like 40s. So yeah. And it's weird because the talent hasn't changed necessarily, except of course this year. So it's all about how did three-on-three -three strategy change? I love the whole concept of three-on-three -three strategy. I'm really into trying to figure out what happened so yeah it's basically studying chaos theory too yes i love it's just a very cool mathematical application to something that's even more variable than normal hockey i think that's very fascinating to me yeah Sorry, i'm gonna stop geeking out right now. <laughs> you've lost me no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> you know, have you guys ever seen the lego movie lego movie where like the unikitty character is like taking over the boardroom and she's just like business 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 and I'm like I'm like that but would like 
stats, stats, stats. Like, don't get me started. I'll keep going. Yeah, because for me, I mean, I kind of was asking both of you this question tongue in cheek Mm -hmm. when how many gangs have gone to overtime, because when I watch it, it seems like every single game has gone to overtime. And, you know, it's kind of, it's sometimes it's frustrating to watch, you know, like you just, like, can we please like end this game, you know, in regulation. Um, But then you both explained it in a very uh, (laughs) statistical (laughs) manner and it was great. Yeah. are there any uh, other thoughts that you want to add? I mean, in terms of especially like, uh, you know, people who are new to it or actually people maybe who want to up their game? Like, Yeah. So there's a there's a great site called Evol- Evolving Hockey uh, run by two twins who are Minnesota Wild fans. And, yeah. and you can follow them on Twitter at Evolving Wild because they're yeah, Minnesota hold Wild that fans. <laughs> yes. Um, they are one of the forerunners on a stat called uh, War. Um, which is a baseball stat and also a basketball stat, but it's very hard to translate into hockey because in baseball, it's five things. It's fielding, it's batting, it's three other things. Um, I'm not great at baseball. Uh, I am not a baseball fan. I'm a White Sox fan. Uh, <laughs> but in hockey, it's harder to sort of qualify those five, what, what those five things would be. And there's a lot more to sort of bring into it. So it's a relatively new stat. But it's also important because it shows how important a player is in terms of individual impact. Um, And there's also, and that is, and war, there's a difference between war and expected war. And expected war is sort of that expected goal stat individual. So it's what the player's impact should be. And then war is, doesn't account for that difference between luck and reality and expected. so there's a difference between those two stats, but those are both really important and will probably get more important as uh, it continues to develop as a stat. Yeah, there's been like three or four really major like war models out there, I think, um, just in the last couple of years because they keep tweaking yeah. them. And I think Evolving Hockey is one of the best. Um, mm-hmm. Money Pack, Money Puck uses a very good version. I don't think they call it war, but it's kind of like a the similar kind of thing. What their models are very good at predicting um, playoff chances is their big thing. Um, I some I have like a hate love hate relationship with War and Gar because I think that they cater to some players that typically get in much closer, despite the fact that a lot of times goals are scored in that kind of like mid danger area. Yeah. I think they have adapted over time to be much better um, right. about that. But like Patrick Kane is always undervalued, I think, in war and God. Um, so I, a part of that is also that there's separate, there's separate impacts <laughs> and Patrick Kane's defensive war, because yeah. there's offensive, defensive, and then penalties are sort of like the three main parts of war now. Um, his defensive war is never great and it's always bad. No, it's, it's, and nobody expects him to be good. And, you know, that exact, that's, that's exactly what it looks like on the ice. Yeah. My problem is that I think that sometimes there needs to be kind of like a balance between, well, this guy is just really, really, really good at this one thing. He's like, excellent. And even if he's really bad at this thing, does it really matter? Like, is it, I mean, it matters, but like, does it matter in the end when the results are, he's always scoring more? Yeah. I still think there's tweaking and that's just the nature of hockey and how variable it is. There's just too much randomness. Um, but I do, I think that whole dream of having one or two stats that can kind of do a big summary is the goal. Yes. It'll be much harder in hockey than it is for like baseball, which I don't 
don't watch I don't like baseball either everybody um people are always bringing it up and I'm like would you stop making me even think about baseball that'd be great um so yes I 100% think that that and um those types of one trick stats are the future and Mm -hmm. that I'm excited about the tweaking that they're going to be doing the more and more over time yes to your point uh two of the most sort of un like under sort of not so their wars are lower than you think they would be are McDavid and Kane because both of them both have bad defensive impact. Yes. McDavid versus somebody is, yeah, yeah, versus somebody like Austin Matthews or Mark Stone, who are well rounded players. Yes. Yeah. Well that's interesting. I didn't really think about like the evolution of stats and how this is something that could keep getting more and more efficient, I suppose, um, as time goes on. Yeah, and hopefully more and more explainable because war is sort of, it's a lot of math that goes into it. Yeah, and like we said, there's there's different models that people are using. There's bunches and bunches of them. In fact, all most of the more popular or more well-known petitions on like Twitter will have a, they'll bet against each other during the playoffs to figure out whose model is the best at predicting what's going to happen. Um, and they all have slightly different variations to these types of models and each one of them, each iteration is getting you a little bit closer to maybe not a perfect stat, but a more ideal stat. Yeah. And hockey's going to always be very hard to predict because it's on a, yeah. there's, there's wild times when the Columbus Blue Jackets sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning. So <laughs> yeah. There's always that element of chaos in hockey. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we all love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, any last thoughts? Okay. I will say that um, at one of the Viz conferences uh, recently, I heard a great, great quote from uh, Micaiah Blake McCurdy, who is um, the wizard behind Hockey Viz, which is another great site if anybody wants to go out and look at some of the visualizations. I think people will be like, I don't understand that, but you know, if you like looking at pictures, it's pretty. Um, also, effective math on Twitter. But in a great quote, it was that analytics is not about painting the full picture. It's about putting your finger on a specific thing and expanding on it. So I think that's a great takeaway that some people have that are like, well, stuff doesn't explain what happened. Well, maybe it doesn't have to. Maybe it just needs to explain this one event or this one thing that happened, and then that can be extrapolated into something bigger. Um, we think Brandon Hagel is a great player because he's great in transition and good in the forecheck. Why isn't he scoring? You could use stats to try to figure that out. um, I think it's good at doing specific things and if it gives you a bigger picture that's great but I think there's a lot more to stats than just did it predict something right or wrong which is I think a lot of times people get held up on the whole well they didn't win but they were really good at this okay well what happened and I think stats can help you in addition to watching the game figure that out yeah it's just additional context Yes. I definitely want to end on uh, letting everyone know we're working on um, a stats article to try to uh, put this in a very digestible format (laughs) so that uh, people who are new to the game and I guess even, you know, veteran statisticians can also um, take a look at this. I know there's a lot of people who have uh, written very eloquently on the subject, but we're going to try our hand at this as well. So we're uh, look out for that. Thanks, everybody. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.